The Spanish announce table. I tell you what, what an incredible way to end an episode of AEW Dynamite. Hello once again, I am Tom T-Mac. Again, whatever you call me, as long as you're paying me. Last time I checked, you weren't because you can at SpanishNounceTable.net. Hey guys, uh, wow. Right? I mean, we kind of knew with the main event of Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen that we were going to get some craziness. And, right? Like, the flip off the ladder was insane. The impact of Jeff Hardy missing the Swanton onto the steps, that looked like it hurt. Uh, and it was actually a cool story to end it with, right? Like a veteran like Jeff Hardy would beat Darby Allen in that way. That's the most believable way for Jeff Hardy to beat Darby Allen with both guys looking as good going in as they do going out, right? Like that was a star making performance from Darby Allen because a lot more eyes, in my opinion, were going to be on this match than a normal Darby Allen match because of Jeff Hardy, right? You say like the, the casual fan tunes in because they may be told whether that's, you know, online or through a friend, you know, a hardcore friend like us, uh, that the next Jeff Hardy is going to be facing Jeff Hardy. And so I think more eyes were going to be on Darby Allen because of that. And now I think more people, more casual fans will uh, maybe invest a little bit more into Darby Allen. I think the hardcore fans that are already Darby Allen fans uh, feel a little bit more, you know, uh, vindicated of who they're watching because that was an awesome performance. And so, yeah, we get Jeff Hardy advancing in the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, to take on Adam Cole, who kicked off the show. So let's swing it all the way back to the start of this episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, first off, we're in Long Island, almost now AEW's bizarro world, right? We have CM Punk, who's now forever a heel, it feels like, because of the MJF feud in Long Island. You also have guys like Chris Jericho getting kind of mixed reactions because He's from there, right? He was born there. I believe his father played for the Islanders. Don't quote me on that, but I know he played hockey for one of those teams, maybe Islanders, maybe Rangers, but he played in that area, uh, whether against them or with them. Again, we don't fact check here. Um, but then he gets a mixed reaction as well. So a lot of different kind of... Uh, not reactions necessarily, but just uh, performances. You know, Wardlow went a little bit baby face, but he had to eat it, right? MJF kind of gave it to him and the crowd gave it to him as well. So he had to kind of sit there and not, you know, thumb his nose to the crowd uh, because CM Punk already beat him to the punch in that regard. Um, so yeah, Long Island, AEW's bizarro world. Uh, but we do kick off with an Owen Hart tournament match. So kind of a cool way to start and then bookend. Uh, the Owen Hart tournament by kicking off the show with the match and then main eventing with another match in the same tournament. But we had Adam Cole taking on Dax Harwood. 
I like this match a lot. So obviously with Owen Hart uh, tournament, you got the Bret Hart fans, Dax Harwood being one of them. He adores Bret Hart. He obviously is a huge fan of Owen Hart. The Hart family can do no wrong in his eyes. And then on the other end, you've got Adam Cole, who by all accounts, you know, breaking kayfabe here for a moment, is a Shawn Michaels guy. And fun fact, so am I. Sorry. Uh, but you're going to get some heat from Adam Cole, or for Adam Cole, not only being a heel, but also leaning into the Shawn Michaels aspect of anything uh, Hart family related. So I thought it was really cool to see uh, Adam Cole, you know, tune up the band and try to do the super kick. Um, and Dax Harwood did amazing. Another great job showing how good of a singles competitor Dax Harwood is. Uh, he gets his good offense in. He sells just like he always does in any tag match, but this one being a singles match against Adam Cole. Adam Cole, again, one of the top guys in AEW, one of the top guys everywhere he goes. Still a little bit of a dad bod. No offense. Look, I, I'm not beating him in the uh, looks department. You know what I mean? I'm not winning any uh, getting off the bus awards, but neither is he. And that's just a, you know, splitting hairs kind of criticism. Uh, but maybe it works into his favor because he is a heel, right? We're not supposed to like him. So if he looks kind of dad bod-ish, then good for him, right? Uh, but Adam Cole picks up the victory here. He wins with the sharpshooter. I thought that was a good touch, right? If you're going to have him go over Dax Harwood, who's a tag team specialist, so it's no real slight on him, have him lose and have Adam Cole, the Shawn Michaels guy, Put on the put on the sharpshooter to get the victory. I liked it. Uh, so we get Adam Cole advancing in the tournament. As I mentioned uh, later on in the night, Jeff Hardy would win his match. So in their next matchup in this tournament, it's going to be Adam Cole taking off Jeff, taking on Jeff Hardy. That should be interesting. Now again, I've talked about how Long Island is Bizarro World for AEW, and we get right to it with match number two: CM Punk taking on Johnny Hungy, John Silver, who is also a local Long Island guy. And uh, this was fun. CM Punk coming. Quick side note before we get into kind of the, the details of the match. I get hockey is very popular, especially in Canada and in America. I'm not saying it's a throwaway kind of niche sport. However, and this is just my opinion, if you're going to get heat from a general population in any town you're traveling, go with more of the popular sports is what I would do, right? Football is more popular uh, by the metrics and by the ratings. Baseball is more popular. Basketball is more popular. There's a reason, and this is no, again, slight against hockey, but there's a reason why ESPN dropped it. The worldwide leader in sports told you that this isn't a sport they want to invest in. Now, there are still coverage of it. There's obviously some, you know, here and there kind of stuff, but they had the rights to hockey and they said not worth our time. So that's my only point is if you really want the crowd to kind of go all in on booing you, maybe do it with something that's a little bit more popular. Now, I know CM Punk is a hockey fan and so to each his own it just didn't hit for me personally because i don't know what that 
jersey means. I didn't know it was an Islanders jersey, so I thought that he would be cheered. But then when he turned on the back, had some name. Thank you to Kata, who reached out during uh, AW Dynamite on Twitter. Again, I live tweet during the show, so you can catch my thoughts, kind of a stream of consciousness at table show. Uh, but Kata reached out, kind of filled me in on the backstory. That player was an Islander, chose to uh, leave the team, even though they were going to give him more money to go to Toronto, I believe it is, and then be the captain there and, you know, be the hero of a team that he's always wanted to play for. And that pissed off Islanders fans. That makes sense. But again, it's hockey. And I like hockey. Patrick Wall with the uh, – um, Colorado Avalanche, you know, you got Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, uh, you have, um, you know, Mario Lemieux. I'm dating myself to tell you, you know, that was the last time I think ESPN carried hockey is the players I'm telling you about Mark Hull, uh, you know, those kind of guys. Um, I know the pick Pittsburgh Penguins guy is really good right now. Well, I think he's maybe on the tail end of his prime, but that guy too, I know he's pretty good. If you told me his name, I'd know who he is, but I can't think of it right now. Anyhow, that's a side quest, sidebar, um, side quest. Shout out to Freddie Prince Jr. I know you're listening. Um, but yeah, CM Punk versus John Silver, and Punk played the heel in this one. It was good to see it. I'm a little bit tired of local hometown. CM Punk is here to give you a thumbs up. I like this version of Punk. This is more of what who he, who he is. I think if I ever met CM Punk, I'd probably feel like, yeah, I'd probably like him. I'd probably get along with him. We probably have some similar interests, but he also kind of seems like uh, if you want to know how great CM Punk is, just ask him, right? And so this felt more like that. Uh, and CM Punk gets the victory. He does the buckshot lariat to John Silver while Hangman is on commentary. So not only is he doing the champion, Hangman uh, Adam Page's finishing maneuver, but he's also doing the finishing maneuver on his friend, John Silver. And then on top of that, he's doing it in front of him. So, you know, the trifecta of a slap in the face, Hangman then gets out of his seat, goes into the ring, confronts uh, CM Punk. And CM Punk's like, hey, man, seems like last week uh, you're kind of taking this personal. Like, what's that about? And... I think this is playing into a little bit of what we talked about last week, where is Hangman taking this personal because he doesn't have the belief in himself. And so he has to find that, you know, reason within him to get the victory. Is there self-doubt that's driving this rage against CM Punk because CM Punk is the best in the world? Uh, because really CM Punk hasn't, you know, twisted the knife or done anything dastardly towards Hangman until, if you want to say this, this slight where he uses his finisher on his friend. Before that, CM Punk really never did anything to Hangman. So I sided with Punk in kind of saying, hey, Hangman, why are you making this personal? Now, I loved how Hangman was like, who shut up, okay? Punk, you don't tell me what I can and cannot take personal. I'll do whatever I want. And then Punk kind of retorts by saying like, at the end of Double or Nothing, you will shake my hand, whether you're conscious or not. <gasps> oh. And so then CM Punk's like, let's do the handshake here. 
And to Hangman's credit, right there, he gives um the old one finger salute, and he says, "How you doing?" Here's a Long Island hello, and he gives him the middle finger. I like that. That was good. That showed that you know Hangman wasn't just some punk that was going to let CM Punk kind of tell him how to feel on every situation. So credit to him in that in that interaction. I like that Hangman kind of still held his own, and then obviously CM Punk getting the victory and then playing into the crowd. Everyone looked good going in and coming out of this segment. Now, we move on to match three, Danhausen versus Tony Nese. And I got some comments on this one. So we had Danhausen versus Tony Nese. The match starts out, and right as it starts out, Danhausen's about to curse him. Oh, you're cursed, right? And before he can even release the curse on Tony Nese, smart Mark Sterling gets in and he's distracting Danhausen. Tony Nese then lands a knee, does the running kick to the face, gets the victory. I'm not saying that Danhausen needs to be winning this match. I'm not even saying Danhausen needs to get a ton of offense in this match. I will say, though, have Tony Nese hit his finisher. I don't know if that's his finisher. I doubt it is. That's a very lame finisher if it is. That was my only criticism is have Tony Nese do the ultimate move in his, you know, bag of tricks here to take out Danhausen because Danhausen is in AEW. AEW just isn't for anyone and everyone. You know what I mean? Like they they are at a certain level. So you should have if they're going to lose kind of squash matches like this at least the finisher taking him out, not just a kick to the face kind of thing. So that was my only criticism about it. But as soon as I even, you know, could feel disdain towards this segment, we get Hook. Hook, motherfuckers. Love this guy. He is great. Now we're getting into weird land with him too because he comes out, chases off Tony Nice and Mark Sterling, uh, smart Mark Sterling as it is. And we get Danhausen and Hook face-to-face. Danhausen gives him the handshake. And instead of Hook giving, you know, Danhausen the the one-finger Long Island hello, uh, he shakes his hand. So now we get Hookhausen. I love it. I still want the question answered, though. Your team Taz, Hook? Are you? Because later in the night, Ricky Starks is in a match. He ends up winning, foreshadowing here. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, we're going to get to it. Uh, Powerhouse Hops comes out and celebrates with Ricky Starks, but not Hook. Taz was on commentary for Ricky Starks' match. Hook wasn't with Taz. So what is going on with Hook and Team Taz? I get it. We're trying to separate and all that. That's fine. But have some explanation. I know Tony Schiavone in the uh, time that he was talking to Taz on commentary asked him, and, or I believe it was actually JR. And Taz was like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it kind of just pushed it aside. I, I need that explained because Hook just isn't a guy to Taz. That's his son. So, like... Is he happy that he's siding with Danhausen? What are his feelings towards Danhausen? And I'm talking about Taz here. Uh, 
And how does Taz talk to Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs about what Hook just did? So need some explanation there. I need, you know, that figured out, I hope, by the time we get to Double or Nothing. Because it was announced, Smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nese on the pre-show will be taking on Hookhausen. Hook and Danhausen. Hookhausen, as it's being called already. And so I think that's going to be a fun match. It's going to be a lot of gimmicks and fun. And, you know, all the good stuff that we like about it. However, what are we doing with Hook and Tads? Father, son, needs something, I think. But we'll see. Hey, look, everyone in the chat. Uh, we get a comment. When is Tim coming back? That's right. If you're listening to this and you're not checking out the YouTube, uh, I'm rolling solo. You haven't heard another voice so that should probably tell you 16 minutes in that tim isn't going to be on this episode however we got a, a question here when is tim coming back i don't know i don't know but he is coming back you know so there's the answer uh and then we get hook hook all caps i love it that's how you say it you don't say hook you don't say, hey, look, there's Hook. It's Hook. Hook. You say it from your sternum, right? Hook. That's a Hook. That's how you say it. So, um, yeah. Uh, Tim is a great guy. Tim is a great guy. I'm not saying he's not, okay? Just saying. I'm here. Check me out. Um, what do we get here? After uh, the Hookhausen segment... Wardlow comes out. And this is again Weirds Mobile alert. Long Island is is just in a world of its own. Wardlow comes out, no music. He's handcuffed. Uh and they tell him, you know, the the graphics behind him say boo Wardlow. They do. So they're certain, you know, to a certain extent. Long Island kind of iffy a little bit. They didn't go all booze right off the jump. Um there was some some seeing what we're going to do here. Uh, so he gets in the ring. And before MJF comes in, we get a parody of Dark Side of the Ring. And this was spectacular. Jake the Snake, the snake guy. Taz, he's in it. We get all the kind of, we get a voiceover from Jericho who's like, I don't like that guy. Wait a minute, how much is he paying me? Okay, well, guess what? MJF is great. Like, everyone played their part. And then the cherry on top, the chef's kiss of the week right here. Barry Horwitz is in the dark side of the ring parody. Are you serious? How much fun was that? This is why I love AEW. They do things like this that have no rhyme or reason that just make you smile, right? Going into this week, we were all anticipating what would happen with a Wardlow MJF stare down contract signing. No one on anyone's bingo card had cameo from Barry Horwitz. That just wasn't on anyone's radar. And we got it and it was fun and it's memorable. I loved it. This reminds me back uh, early on in the pandemic, you know, kind of at the height of the pandemic when they're doing all the shows 
out of Jacksonville and we get the Manitoba melee with Jericho in the inner circle. And you had the incredible Hulk. You had Jay and silent Bob, like that kind of reminded me uh, of this where, you know, Jake, the snake has no skin in the game with MJF and Wardlow. Now, you know, Wardlow took out, um, uh, everybody dies, Lance Harcher, Archer, uh, but really, you know, he didn't need to be in it, but he was, and it was great. And so this dark side of the ring parody was just spectacular. Loved it so much. After we get done with the segment, though, MJF comes out and MJF is walking out and the crowd is loving him. I will say, though, wasn't 100%. MJF had to work for it. They didn't just see him punk in Chicago go wild and crazy. He had to win them over, and he did. By the end of this segment, uh, you know, they were all Team MJF, which was good. But MJF is cutting down Wardlow. He brings up Cody Rhodes, and he says, Hey, uh, remember what we did to Cody Rhodes? Uh, we're going to do that with you, Wardlow. Uh, he did call him the American Roller Coaster. I'm not sure what that meant. It felt like a slide at Cody Rhodes. Um, so hashtag tweet the table if you know what that means because uh, I didn't really catch it but I'm also not the smartest guy in the world so fun fact there uh, but MJF says we're going to have you go through 10 lashings another fun thing he counts it down for Sean Spears to do the 10 gimmick the Ty Dillinger 10 gimmick right in Wardlow's face another just subtlety that if you're a hardcore wrestling fan you loved and if you're a casual fan it's just a dickhead thing that the heels did to the baby face it made sense on all aspects of the little move that they did there but we get uh 10 lashings that uh mjf gets to do to um wardlow we get a cage match with sean spears uh, taking on Wardlow, but MJF is the special guest referee. Wardlow, as MJF mentioned, is 0-2 in cage matches, so we got that. And then what else did we get? Um, oh, and then MJF says uh, when Wardlow loses at double or nothing, he will be fired from AEW. So there we go. There's the stipulations. There is uh, kind of what we're dealing with as we move into uh, the next phase of this program uh, between MJF and uh, Wardlow. But before we got there, we ended with Wardlow not able to sign uh, the contract because he was handcuffed. And MJF says, I'll un uncuff him. Let him sign the damn thing. It don't matter. And as predicted, Wardlow signs it and then takes out security, corners MJF right when you think MJF is going to get away with it or get a get his, you know, punch in the face from Wardlow. Smart Mark Sterling again gets involved, this time jumping on Wardlow's back. I wish Wardlow would have said something like this is for Dan Housen or something. It, it, it wouldn't have made sense, but I would have loved it. Something that I would have wrote, you know, if I had the pencil. Um but nonetheless, Wardlow then power bombs Mark Sterling uh, through the table. And that's how we end uh, as we go into our next 
segment, which was match number four. So again, first hour dynamite as it as par for the course, just outstanding. Flew by. And unlike last week, the rest of the show also continued to run at a breakneck speed of just fun and enjoyment. But match number four for the FTW title, we had champion Ricky Starks taking on Jungle Boy. Again, the FTW championship, what does it mean? Why would you want it? Where does it get you? Does it get you more money? None of that's being really explained to us, but people are fighting for it. We've had Jay Lethal go after Ricky Starks. Now we've had Jungle Boy. We've had the others in the past. So it's it's not for nothing, but it's also not for everything. So I don't know where we're going with that. But it was Ricky Starks taking on Jungle Boy. And this was a good one. This one had all your action of, you know, a 2022 match between two up-and-comers uh, in the middle of a show. It, it it checked all the boxes that you're wanting to get out of this kind of a segment. So we get into the match and back and forth, fun, all the stuff. You know what I mean? Nothing nothing uh, memorable as far as a moveset like we would see later with Darby Allen and Jeff Hardy, but nothing bad. And it told a good story. Got us to the point where Swerve Strickland, as Ricky Stark is, is trying to leave the match, he comes down. That then costs uh, Jungle Boy the match because the referee apparently is too dumb to do two things at once, so he just only can look at Swerve Strickland. Jungle Boy is trying to pin Ricky Starks. That obviously doesn't work. Then Ricky Starks gets his finisher on Jungle Boy. One, two, three. Ricky Starks win. Swerve Strickland, he's upset. Then we get Christian and, Ju and Jurassic, or excuse me, C Christian and Luchasaurus. Apologize about that. Walking down to the ring. And Christian bumps on purpose Sir Swerve Strickland in the back as he goes into the ring to, to console Jungle Boy. Then, as I mentioned, Powerhouse Hobbs comes out to celebrate with Ricky Starks. No hook. And it looks like maybe Ricky Starks and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs riding the high of a victory might want to put, you know, a couple fists upside the head of Swerve Strickland so Keith Lee comes out, I was like, no, 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 you're not beating up my friend. And then we had this weird kind of all three teams staring at each other. I think that's what we're going to for double or nothing, a triple threat uh, tag team match. Love it. Think it's going to be great. Uh, these three teams, I think, deserve it. I think there needs to be more focus on them because, again, teams like Red Wagon, uh, the Young Bucks, those kinds uh, of teams still feel more important than the champions, Swerve Strickland, uh, Keith Lee, and Team Taz. But with a little bit more focused and intensity turned up a little bit, I think we can get there. Uh, but that'll be a fun match. The thing that I thought was interesting is at the very end of this, before we moved on, Jungle Boy's, you know, distraught, upset that he lost to Ricky Starks. And Christian consoles him but does it in a way that makes you think maybe get a second thought of doing something else i think we're all seeing the writing on the wall that sooner rather than later christian is going to turn on jurassic express whether that's a kick in the dick to luchasaurus or hitting uh his finisher on jungle boy but this had a little bit of that element of 
why am I with these guys? Maybe they're losers. Maybe I need to hitch my wagon to, you know, the next up and coming team. Nothing happened, but it felt like it could have. And then as we kind of wrap up, uh, getting to the, you know, last third of AEW Dynamite, again, a really great show here. Uh, we had a JAS Appreciation Society meeting or announcement. I don't know what it was. It was a fun segment. And Jericho's cutting down everyone, calling himself a wizard. Mm, getting close to really what you might be there, pal. You, you Google it. I'm not going to tell you what I think, but put in wizard and see what you find. But uh, Jericho's calling himself a wizard. Um, saying that he got rid of Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. And then Daniel Garcia gets on the mic. He's like, you know, this is what happens when a sports entertainer fights a pro wrestler. The sports entertainer always wins. Well, what in the hell just happened now? John Moxley's music hits. He comes walking down to the ring. JAS says, like, it's five on one, idiot. Before they could even get that out, the rest of the uh, Blackpool Combat Club comes down. William Regal, Brian Danielson, William Utah. JS is still saying, like, it's still numbers advantage us. And then they look behind, and it's the new LAX, or whatever we're calling them. Santana Ortiz and a face-burned Eddie Kingston. And all of the members that were opposing JAS Take them out. Beat them up, beat them up, beat them up. Jericho then tries to cower away and runs out. And before he does, for his trouble, he gets a little how's your father from William Regal upside his head. And Regal socks him right in the right in the mouth. Gives him the old to the moon. And that was fun. William Regal gets physical now in AEW. We'll see how this unfolds. Next week, it was announced there's going to be a confrontation, a discussion. I don't know exactly what the wording was there, but William Regal and Chris Jericho face to face. So we'll see how that works, because if we're going to fold in the Blackpool Combat Club, Santana and Ortiz and Kingston against JAS, as the heels, numbers always work in the heels advantage. So maybe JAS hires out some, you know, mercenaries, a Lance Archer, a Butcher and the Blade. Maybe teams up with Andrade Family House, something like that. But I would see that they would probably get the advantage somehow, either adding members to their own stable, hiring out mercenaries, uh, or making a deal with another heel faction. But it would feel weird that the good guys would have the numbers advantage and just beat up on JAS until JES just, you know, cowers away. But it was a fun segment. I liked all of it. Uh, it was great to see Eddie Kingston. Every episode that has an Eddie Kingston appearance on Dynamite is the best episode. This is uh, same with the rest of them. Loved it. Uh, and there we go. We got it. And then before the main event, we got our has to happen before the uh, end of the show women's match in on the women's side of the Owen Hart uh, tournament. We had Tony Storm taking on Jamie Hayter. And this was good. Two English women uh, that I think are over with the crowd, but not necessarily getting the biggest pushes in the world, at least for Jamie Hayter's standpoint. Tony Storm 
kind of getting that Ruby Soho. Hey, we still like her, right? Let's uh, feature her a couple more weeks. Uh, but they get a match. Nothing bad happens. Nothing good happens. Um, nothing great, I should say. It, it was a very good match. I don't, I don't want to downplay it. It just, I get very aggravated again with the right before the main event. Oh, don't forget about the women. Kick it off with the show. Put Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm, you know, start the show or the second match. Just switch it up a little bit. You know, it's a little bit too predictable that right before we're going to get this match, you know, the women's match, because there's never more than one, it feels like. Uh, so that's my criticism with the AW women's division is that now also what happened tonight, we did get a promo package, uh, between Serena Deeb and, uh, the women's champion Thunder Rosa thought that was good. Dustin Rhodes got his role explained a little bit better. Cause I never really understood. Cause I didn't dive into Thunder Rosa's history or current state, uh, but I didn't realize that he was her mentor. So that was good to see and get that explained to me. Uh, and then Serena Deeb, I mean, the professional wrestler in AEW, right? If Brian Danielson is the male professional wrestler, the female professional wrestler is Serena Deeb. Those are the two, two of the same, right? Uh, so it was good to hear from her. Uh, this was the kind of promo package I think the feud needs because neither one are the strongest uh, on the mic in a live crowd. So bells and whistles, smoke and mirrors, more of that. And then when they get to the ring, that's where they earn their money, right? The match is going to be incredible. So I like that. Not saying only put them in vignettes and promo packages like this. However, let's play to their strengths and their strengths are in-ring wrestling. So excited to see that at Double or Nothing. Uh, but that was the other women's uh, story that was talked about. Um, but going back to tonight, um, as far as the match order, the match right before the main event, Tony Storm picks up the victory over Jamie Hayter. So it looks like next week, uh, Britt Baker will be taking on the Joker, and then the winner of that will be taking on Tony Storm. I would imagine Britt Baker will win that match. Here's what I would do as just some fun make it Reba, Rebel, you know, whatever we want to call it, Rebel, right? But like, have that be the Joker and put Britt Baker in a state of like, what the hell is going on? And you know that Britt Baker's moving on. So you might as well tell some fun stories uh, for five to 10 minutes. That makes us question, will she get the victory? Will they stay friends after the match? I would do that, right? I don't think Britt Baker is going to lose in the first round of this tournament. Because I believe all the other matches were qualifying matches. So this is the actual tournament. So this would be the first round. Uh, and I just don't see the former champion, one of the faces of AEW, just losing like that. So give it a little bit more intrigue and put Rebel in there. Reba, as uh, Britt calls her. And let's just tell a fun story there just to get her to move on to then take on Tony Storm next week. That's what I would do. And then, as I mentioned, to kick off this uh, episode of the Spanish Announce Table, um, that main event, dream match for some. And like I said last week, neither one of these guys are my tup or tup of tea, cup of tea. I'm not going back watching old Jeff Hardy matches or, you know, checking out the indie scene of what Darby Allen did. I will say, though, I didn't leave my seat. I liked what I watched. It was crazy. 
It was weird. It was memorable. All those things. Again, I think uh, checking off all the boxes of what you're trying to get out of a Jeff Hardy Darby Allen match were achieved. We got the suicide dive to kick it off from Darby Allen. We got the insane spot from Darby Allen. We got another insane spot from old man Hardy. And then Hardy gets the victory without making Darby Allen seem like, you know, a schmuck, a roll up, a counter roll up would be a way a veteran would beat a current, you know, not as experienced wrestler like Hardy is. So thought that was good too. It ends with uh, the super, what are they called? Not super elite, but the uh, undisputed elite standing up on the, up on the ramp, kind of just surveying who was in the ring, which was staying Darby Allen and the Hardy boys. They alluded to the, the young bucks are looking at the Hardys. Again, there are way more interesting stories than that rehashed Ring of Honor feud in AEW. You bought Ring of Honor, so now we're aware of Ring of Honor. So we know that this feud happened, so I don't know if I need to see it again. What what else are they going to tell us other than they're probably a step slower than when they did this in 2016 or whatever? So... Not the most excited about that. I would also like uh, the Undisputed Elite to kind of get out of their box. Kind of feels like their favorite feuds are with their favorite people. And that's getting to be a tad boring, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, Let's see the Young Bucks and the Blackpool Combat Club. Let's see Keith Lee and Bobby Fish. I know they were NXT guys, but you get what I'm saying? Let's let's mix and match instead of just having uh, the Bullet Club gang circle jerk each other until, you know, we run the, the, the brakes off of this train. I, I just want to see it mixed up a little bit. John Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. Um, the Young Bucks versus... Um, the acclaimed, you know, just something a little bit more fresh than run it back, brother, because now we got a bigger audience. That, that's what I'm looking for out of that specific group is a little bit more versatility than uh, what they're comfortable with. That would be what I would challenge them with. So that was AEW Dynamite. That was a fantastic show. Uh, definitely a step up from last week. Last week, the second half of that episode just fell off the rails. Um, but this week was a very consistent, fun joyride uh, from the minute it started to the minute it finished. Uh, really enjoyed that. Um, but with that being said, WWE happened. There was a pay-per-view and it happened. Uh, and we got some sweet tables about it. So I'm going to awkwardly transition to the tweet the tables so one second as i pull that up right here Uh, look at this awesome podcast for you hit the 15 second skip if you want now i'll bring it back to you uh here we go so let's go back let's go back to do 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 Let's go back. 
Where should we go back? Okay, here we go. Only hashtag tweet the table from Katie, the first lady. She says only Paul Heyman can take a Mother's Day greeting and make it into a great promo. Hashtag uh, WrestleMania backlash. Hashtag tweet the table. I mean, Paul Heyman, no, no surprise fact here, can turn any subject and make it a great promo. Give him making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's going to be great, right? You're going to want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, even if you're, you know, have a peanut allergy after Paul Heyman kind of gives you the promo of what makes it a great sandwich. So not shocked there. Uh, Paul Heyman, again, uh, a great one here. Uh, Theo 75 at Theo 75 says Paul Heyman can sell sand to a sand dweller. Hashtag tweet the table, hashtag WWE backlash. Exactly. Right. Like he's that good with the spoken word, the promo, uh, you know, he can captivate anyone. He can make you believe anything. Uh, he's, he's, you know, on a level that few can touch in wrestling or just in the spoken word, uh, you know, sp uh, public speaking kind of realm. So not shocked with what Paul Heyman can do, uh, at a WWE pay-per-view. All right, so then let's move on. Again, we're talking about WWE uh, Backlash. Uh, at Devil Vamp says, holy shit, Cody is so fucking over. From the viral videos this week to the crowd screaming his theme song on Backlash, hashtag uh, WWE Mania Backlash, hashtag Tweet the Table. Cody's over. Is it the shiny new toy in the biggest organization? I think that has a little bit to do with it. Is it, hey, that's the son of one of the greatest pro wrestlers in the world uh, or of all time, uh, Dusty Rhodes? Maybe a little bit to the old timers because, again, uh, looking at the, the raw data, the, the WWE crowd isn't the youngest. I think the average age is in the 60s, right? So they definitely remember Dusty Rhodes. So having his son in the second run, because they remember him probably from his first run, doesn't hurt either. So kind of combining all the new shiny new toy and we already were familiar with him and his father was a legend. It's not the hardest thing in the world to get him cheered. From a critical eye, as I mentioned before, uh, the what's the saying? The, the, the rose is off the bloom or the bloom is off the rose, however that said. Essentially, you know, the Cody Rhodes character, what made it so cool in my eyes was that he was doing it outside of the system. And as I mentioned before, now he's inside the system. I don't know. I watched his word association, by the way. Uh, I haven't watched uh, the Broken Skulls Challenge. So at Devil Vamp, I think later on here, uh, you say, let me see. I think you tell us to, uh, yeah, hashtag to the table at Devil Vamp. You guys need, need to have a separate episode of just the Broken School Sessions with Cody Rhodes. It breaks all walls. It's enthralling. Hashtag to the table. I think maybe we could do that. Wouldn't hate that idea. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I did watch the um, word association uh, with Cody and also just like his favorites. I didn't like it. I'm not a Zelda person. I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons and all the things. And again, some people are. And that's what makes wrestling great is wrestling's big enough for all of us to be in it. But that doesn't mean we have to love all of it. 
And Cody just isn't a guy that I think as a baby face, I really give a shit about. Just kind of seems like a nerd. And that's fine. And some people love nerds. Plenty of movies have been written about them and plenty of movies have been successful and plenty of characters who are nerds in my book have been over way farther than I ever thought. I'm just saying for me, I'm not cheering Cody the biggest in WWE because I don't really care about him. I find him quite bland and uninteresting. Sorry, but that's how I feel. Uh, so let's get back into hashtag with tables. Uh, let's see here. At Devil Vamp, Rollins and Rhodes telling a story of how Rhodes has changed and has developed, uh, moved on. Love it. Hashtag uh, WM Backlash. Hashtag WWE. Hashtag Tweet the Table. Those two can always have a good match. I don't think, you know, it's a shocker that two of the better in-ring uh, performers of this generation can get together and put on an interesting story. The story outside of the match still isn't that interesting. I'm not. I don't care. Other other side note, side quest. Again, shout out to Freddie Prince Jr. Know you're listening. Um, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. That's the same character. Can we all agree on that? Because literally the laugh now, the maniacal look, the interrupting matches of the baby faces. I mean, to a T, they're doing the same thing almost now segment after segment and so right i mean come on what are we doing like have some originality you're even doing the same dress silly gimmick like i like both of them two of my favorites of all time in this current generation of uh wwe but now they're just Writing one thing and both doing it. And that's kind of lame. Kind of lame. Don't like it. Try harder. Be different than your spouse specifically. And then just also in general. Uh, so don't care for that. Try better. That's all I'll say. Have some writers help you. If the only person's helping you is the other person doing the same thing, get some more rooms in the or get some more uh, voices in the room. You know what I mean? All right, here we go. Let's keep it moving here. Back to Katie, the first lady. She said, wait, so now winning money in the bank will guarantee you a WrestleMania main event. Hashtag tweet the table. Josephine, the wonder pup is not happy about that. I don't know. That's an interesting thing that was said. So Cody does the announcement for, um, money in the bank that's going to be taking place in Las Vegas. Uh, side note, the same night uh, as the UFC pay-per-view, also in Las Vegas, also the UFC is doing International Fight Week. That's a lot happening in Vegas. And when the UFC puts you know their PR and muscle behind an event, they don't typically lose. Now, I'm not saying they're going to crush WWE, but... We've known WWE recently trying to compete with others, AEW, um, head-to-head, not really, you know, 
making out that great. So this might be a misstep in my book, but we'll see how it happens. But yeah, so Money in the Bank in Las Vegas at um, that Raiders shithole uh, of a stadium. I'm kidding. It's a beautiful stadium. It's just, look at this. We're Chiefs over here, baby. KC Chiefs. You know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes, greatest quarterback of his generation right there holding the Lombardi. That's where we are over here. So fuck the Raiders. But if you're a Raiders fan, thanks for listening. Um, but I don't like you. Uh, but thanks. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Cause again, WWE, I always, I, I still bring up the, the Kevin Owens, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin thing was we're going into it saying we're going to fight each other, but it's a talk show segment. What the fuck? So I still don't even know if WWE with any of their fucking plans know what they're doing. So Katie, you could be right. Or you could be wrong and not be wrong because they changed it after you wrote the tweet to us. So I'm a wait and see, not even positive and patient. I'm just a wait and see with WWE and their decision-making because, uh, you know, Wednesday, May 11th, 2022, the year of our Lord, uh, the winner of the money in the bank could be the guaranteed main event at WrestleMania, or it could be that they just fucking main event a raw. So that's fun, isn't it? Not to know anything because of lack of preparation. Way to go. Way to go, WWE. All right, so uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Um, oh, we get some. Uh, let's move on to uh, some Monday Night Raw talk. Uh Again, Katie, the first lady says uh, this should have ended with Naomi beating her at Mania, but glad it's done. More women are needed with the return of a ble- of Alexa as well. Hashtag tweet the table. The announcement from WWE was, as announced by uh, Scrap Daddy on WWE Raw, Sonya Deville is no longer a WWE official and will return to being a solely an in-ring competitor. What? What? What do we? What? I just. So one, let's go back to how she was announced as uh, as an official. Uh, if you recall, she lost a loser leaves town match uh, between her and Mandy Rose. She's gone for a while. And again, I'm staying in kayfabe. I'm not saying like, oh, the reason she took off time was because of some personal issues with someone's dog. I don't know. I'm watching a television show. Okay. I don't care about the personal lives of these people to that extent because I'm watching a television show. This lady's name isn't really Sonia Deville. Get what I mean? So I don't care about whatever happens beyond what happens on my television. I'm just telling you what I see on my television and whether I like it or I don't. So again, let's go into how Sonia Deville started this whole journey and ended it. So she loses this loser leaves town match. She goes away. Somehow Charlotte Flair just lets her in backstage and she sneaks in and by Uh, circumstances that still have not been explained. She just starts putting on a suit and standing next to Adam Pierce 
And it was like, we're making matches now. We're making matches now. To the point where it's like, you know, if you say a lie long enough, it just becomes a truth. That It just happened. She was just like, I'm making matches now. I'm making matches now. I'm making matches now. And then he just, uh, Adam Pierce was just like, okay, making matches. And then that's her authority storyline. And then from there, we're still not... And we still don't even understand Adam Pierce's role because sometimes he can make matches, but other times he has to go to upper management to make a match. And then other times he makes a match, but it hasn't been approved by upper management. So it's not official. Then other times competitors are making matches and he doesn't like it, but it's been made official because the two competitors wanted to fight each other. And then uh, he says, he's not sure if a match has been made official and then as soon as he says it, there's a graphic that, you know, Seth Rollins versus Cody two at hell in the cell or at uh, you know, money in the bank, uh, whatever the fucking pay-per-view is happens. Like neither Sonya Deville or Adam Pierce's role has been fully explained of what they can and cannot do. And then, yeah, just because now she was making matches, they fired her. Who is they? Is it Vince? Vince has been on TV. Why doesn't he say it? Is it Shane? Shane's been on TV recently as soon or as late as January of this year. Have him explain it. But something, not these just dumb knee jerk reactions that makes the viewer confused and uninterested. And maybe I'm speaking for myself. But I don't feel like anyone's going to be writing the book about the time in WWE that Sonya Deville was a WWE official. So that's what I think about that. Again, I want to try to stay as positive and patient as possible. But WWE kind of brings it out of me because it's an unorganized shithole of storytelling. Sorry, it is, especially when you watch it against AEW. And I'm not saying AEW is the 100% A-plus show each and every week. As I told you, last week's episode kind of fell off the rails on the second half. Uh, but I am saying it is a beacon of light in keeping my wrestling fandom alive. I will say that. Uh, so then what else do we got here? Oh, we got a little... Um, Last second, uh, tweet the tables about tonight's AW Dynamite. So let's end on that note because, again, I don't like talking about WWE that much because it's not good. And again, please explain to me, whoever does love it, why? Other than muscle memory, why do you like WWE? That's all I want to know. That is all I want to know. You can either send us an email, tableshow at gmail.com, and explain it to me. Would love to read it here and understand, broaden my horizons, uh, enlighten me from a different perspective. Or you can, if it's short form, just put hashtag tweet table, and I'll read that as well. And I'll try to understand why in the hell anyone enjoys WWE. Anyhow, Double Vamp. Good buddy, Double Vamp here. Uh, an hour ago says, can we please agree to retire Jeff at this point? The guy is barely moving. Time is done. Hashtag AW Dynamite. Hashtag Tweet the Table. 
look, this match tonight with Darby Allen was memorable. It's going to be another one of those moments, just like Jeff Hardy jumping off the, the window seal uh, onto Butcher and the Blade that will be remembered, right? The Darby Allen spot, Jeff Hardy missing the Swanton onto the steps. Jeff Hardy has lost a step. Him and Matt Hardy definitely have lost a step. That's why I don't necessarily need them to go up against the Young Bucks to just rehash some things we've already seen, but then get sad because it's a second or a step slower, right? Um, I would like to see, though, Jeff Hardy, you know, moving kind of in a different direction. I wouldn't mind having something uh, out of the role of active competitor happen for him. I think that would be interesting. It would be challenging for him. And I think it'd be a welcome change instead of just how can Jeff Hardy hurt himself this week? You know, um, with that being said, I do think next week's episode or next week's match, I believe it's next week or maybe the week after uh, between him and Adam Cole, will have some kind of storyline progression. I think, again, we're going more towards Young Bucks, Hardys. I think that's what they want. So that's what we're going to get. Um, but yeah. I would challenge the Hardys. Matt did it to a certain extent, and then it kind of petered out with the uh, Hardy family office. But I would challenge Jeff to do something similar, and obviously not just a faction capacity, but try try to do something different. Is what I would say for for the uh, elder statesmen, the Hardys in the tag team division. So yeah, that's it. That is what I got for you this week. Again, I wanted to do it as soon as the episode ended because I was rolling solo. I wanted to give you uh, my thoughts as soon as it happened. I appreciate each and every one of you who have uh, listened to this on the podcast or have watched this on YouTube. It genuinely means so much to me. Uh, please tell a friend. Uh, we're trying to grow this community as we always are. Uh, so let them know. Um, you can share the YouTube link. You can uh, hashtag tweet the table. Tell about um, Tell about us that way. Uh, you can follow along while AEW programming happens at Table Show on Twitter. Uh, but until next time, I'm going to be here again talking to you about some Dynamite, some WWE, uh, maybe even some GCW Impact, whatever you got on your mind. Uh, talk to us via email tableshow at gmail.com or is again on Twitter hashtag tweet the table. Uh, but until next time, bye-bye. The Spanish Announce Table.